Good evening, um, everyone. This is Jen Bonet with the Creative Coast, Executive Director of the Creative Coast in Savannah, Georgia. And this is Entrepreneur's Night. And tonight we have uh, David Johnston, uh, DJ for short, um, of Undertone Effects with us. So DJ, why don't you uh, say hello, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Yeah. Hi. Uh, I go by DJ. David Johnson's my name. Um, yeah, I am the CEO and creative director for Undertone Effects. We are, uh, in short, we are a um, uh, we are an effects house that does effects for video games. So if and other other studios contract us to do their effects for them, we've got a team of now about ten guys and and hiring. Um, so you know. For example, um, we're working with a team out of Seattle called Midwinter, um, and they needed some extra effects help, so we're we're doing their effects for their game. Um, before that, I I spent about a decade in LA working on the Call of Duty games. I was the head of effects for their um, Activision's Activision Blizzard's Infinity Ward studio. Um, won a couple of Visual Effects Society awards, which are Right there and there. <laughs> uh, I worked on Halo up in Seattle and about you know twenty other games you've never heard of. Um, I've I am a published author. I'm the I've co-authored uh, two books now: the the Visual Effects Society's Handbook of Visual Effects, and the other one is Intro to Introduction to Game Development, which is like a university book on game development. Um, I am a, a fellow of the Visual Effects Society, which means I get to use the VES credit uh, suffix in my name in in the credits of of anything that I'm a part of. Um, and I'm living in Savannah and loving it here. <laughs> We've been here for about three years uh, and started up this company just shortly after we moved here. Um, and we really love it. It's it's an amazing place. And and how do you come to choose Savannah? Uh, good question. So, yeah, we um, it's it's kind of a fun story. My my wife and I. Um, so, uh, you know, after a decade of Call of Duty, which is a big, massive budget production, um, you know, after a decade, I was burnt out with the you know the hours and <laughs> and the crunch and and uh, and my time there came to an end and my intent was just to take some time off and chill out and, you know, recover <laughs> sort of emotionally and mentally from, from all that. Um, but after a while it was like, you know, it's time to get a job again. So, you know, I figured we, we sort of looked at our finances and, and like, well, we're not retirement ready yet, but, um, we were looking at, you know, if we stayed in LA, I figured I'd go work at, you know, maybe Naughty Dog or Respawn or one of the other big studios and just end up doing the same thing again, you know, crunching and, you know, living for work and not the other way around. Um, so we kind of looked at, you know, what if we moved somewhere cheaper, just rented out our house in LA, which we still own and we rent to friends um, and just kind of have focused on quality of life. So, so then the question was, well, if we could live anywhere, where do we go? So we ended up doing a big road trip. Um, we, our first stop, uh, she, she looked online at, you know, Snapchats of people and videos and best of lists and, you know, where's the quality of life, cost of living. Um, so our first stop was Ann Arbor, Michigan. 
Uh, we checked it out there, and then we were going to do it over a couple of weeks and, and fly to it. Most of it was kind of on the East Coast, um, but we ended up just turning it into a big road trip. We 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 skipped out on our flight home <laughs> and just rented a car and drove to the next stop, which was uh, we stopped in Detroit and then upstate New York in the Finger Lakes, a little town called uh, Watkins Glen, and just went all over the place. We ended up in... Um, Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, yeah, several other spots. And we had already kind of picked out a place in Asheville. We really liked it there. It's a great city. And Savannah was our last stop right after that. And we came here and looked at a bunch of houses. And um, the last house we looked at was was the one. And that's where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> this is So this house is there's there's stairs that go up to the the, the living quarters are, are on the upstairs and the whole basement it's really it's the first floor is kind of like a, you know just brick brick and it's a little dungeony so we turned this into the office so before covid we had six you know seven of us you know kind of there's me two guys on each side and then you know one desk back there our server um and yeah, now they're all <laughs> working from home. But yeah, we just fell in love with Savannah. We, you know, we we got like two nights. We stayed about two nights in each one of these cities to try to get a f- pulse on, you know, if we felt like we'd be happy there. So uh, our realtor just took us out on the town and brought some friends out, and it, we had just had a great time. We did karaoke. <laughs> yeah, went to perch and at sunset and the birds were flying it was just it's just magical i mean you guys know savannah's amazing no great story great story. <laughs> Glad to hear it um so you know tell us a little bit about the origin story of launching this new company undertone fx sure uh it, it's uh it, it was uh, kind of unintentional <laughs> to be honest so yeah after after a decade of uh call of duty you know, I was kind of, I was burnt out to be, to be just direct. Um, and yeah, the, honestly, the plan was like, you know, maybe I'll take some freelance work here and there. And, and, uh, we moved out here just kind of, you know, a leap of faith. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I, I just started getting hit up by people that I'd worked with before. The first one was um, some friends that I worked with at Bungie. They do the Halo games, or they did. Now uh, now Microsoft does that. But um, anyway, so a buddy from that uh, that team who had gone off to start his own company, they, he was he, they got contracted to do a little Halo VR experience. So he's like, he he hit me up. DJ, do you want to do Halo VR effects? Yes, that sounds awesome. I'll do that. So he con, you know, a little contract, just a couple of weeks of work, um, and then it just it just kept happening. Like I was, I've I've just about never looked for work. It come, it just shows up, right? Uh, just people know that it, effects artists in games is a very niche and hard to hire discipline, which you know, we're now taking advantage of that. It's, it's pretty helpful. Um, so, you know, it got to the point where I was turning down work. I was getting contacted so much, um, you know, good effects guys for games are, they're all working at, you know, good, big companies. 
Um, so it's like a unicorn when one of them's free. And I, I was that <laughs> unicorn for a bit. And it got to the point where I was just turning down work. So I'm like, well, SCAD's right here. They've got a killer effects program. They've got a killer games program. So why don't I try, you know, try to get in with some of the professors and have them help me figure out, you know, who's just graduated. That's awesome. So I went to, there was some open house thing they had at the end of the year for the semester at SCAD where a couple of students showed off the work that they had just done for their thesis. They, they had the, what was that program called where they put them up and they gave them a year to like build a company and a project. SCAD plus. SCAD, SCAD plus. plus. Jen, was it you that, that turned me onto that? I, I forget who told me about it, but. Uh, I may have. I may have. <laughs> so, yeah, I went there. It down, but. Yeah, it's, it's no more now. But, um, but startup week is this week. So we'll have 600 students starting on a startup project on tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Oh, cool. Amazing. Um, yeah. So I just, you know, I met the teams and they kind of showed me around and, and every, everyone I'm like, did any of you guys do, who did the effects for this game? <laughs> do you, do you need work? Cause I need, I need help. And, uh, yeah, I got my first hire that way. A, a gentleman named Neil Krupa and he has been a godsend. He is phenomenal. Just such a, yeah, he's been great. Kills everything that he does. Um, and so that that sort of that helped make the jump between you know me as an independent contractor to like forming the company. Think, luckily, my wife um, has a background in corporate law, and uh, so she helped form the company and do all the that side of stuff. Um, so she's the CEO right now. Um, yeah, we hired Neil, and that kind of helped us make the jump from you know independent contractor to. Undertone Effects exists as a company, and instead of me doing one person one contract, it's it's two contracts and, and two people, and then we just kept getting hit up for more work, and and so I just stayed in touch with the the professors and kept going out to pizza with them on Friday nights, <laughs> and just kind of kept kept a pulse on like who's who's graduating or about to or recently graduated. And so I'd, I'd have like a little like hook into, you know, just, just an email or a contact or something with a person or two so that when new work came in, I'm like, okay, I've got somebody ready to go. They, they are experienced enough in this stuff. They don't have a, 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 a training specifically for effects in games. So I, I do have to sort of like bridge a bit of a gap and sort of train them up a little more on how this all works. But um, so yeah, we just kind of organically grew that way. Um, the, our first four or five hires were, were sort of college students. Um, we're starting to hire, we just put out a job post today. I, I, I could hire five more people, you know, in the next month we've got enough, we're turning down work right now. So that's, that's helpful. Um, yeah, we just, we just started growing that way. Everyone was, was here in Savannah at first. We started hiring remotely. Now we've got a guy out of Salt Lake, two guys out of California. Um, yeah, so we just kind of slowly built that way. My, my intent is to not really grow much more than this. I want to keep kind of a, like a small boutique studio and, and just be able to like manage all of the projects and keep tabs on them and not get too overwhelmed, but we could use a few more people. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, it's, 
I guess I'm going to ask a little bit of, uh, more about the industry because I'm a software person, not a gaming person or entertainment person. But it, you know, it seems to me like when you're at Call of Duty, right, you were getting burned out. And you had all these big projects, and but it seems like a really big game gaming company like that would have most of the resources it needs in house. Or, or is that not true? Or has that changed over time? Yeah, it, it has changed over time. Um... I would say a decade, 15 years ago, there was not a lot of outsourcing in, in games. It, 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 it's just, it's kind of had been linear growth over time though. Um, for maybe the past five, six, probably maybe starting about eight years ago, um, the bigger studios started to have an in-house outsourcing manager so that they could handle doing this stuff and and for a long time it was mostly props like you know prop modeling like we need you know the guitar or the globe or the popcorn machine whatever you don't really need someone in the building doing stuff that is like okay here's a picture make something like it um it's sort of easily outsourced um these days it's it's sort of growing more partly fueled by COVID, to be honest, it's becoming more and more acceptable to just have distributed teams now. So, you know, that's, that plays to our strengths. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's sort of grown from just props to now you have outsourced teams. There's certain affinity out of Texas that does like, we'll do your whole level or your entire multiplayer mode. And, and they have guys that are designers and it's not just a prop model, model anymore it's more embedded experience and effects is sort of been one of the last dominoes to fall because it is so integrated with the designer it, you can't you can't send a picture of something and tell an effects artist go make that and then it comes back into the game we have to coordinate with the animator and the designer and hook up the timing and see it in the engine with lighting and all the stuff. It's very integrated and it's very collaborative. Um, so it, it, you can't black box it. You can't just send it off. So, but the, 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 the change that's happened is now because remote working is becoming more acceptable to studios, we're able to like kind of plug in like we were a member of their team. We could get the the full build of the game and the source. Uh, you know, we just plug into Perforce, download the tree, and launch the game and the editor, and we're in there just like they are now. Yeah. And we can you know build scripts that plug everything together. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and what's kind of like the the time span, the project life cycle of one of your projects, like how long does it usually last? Or? Sure. Um, you know, for for a Call of Duty game, it used to take us two years. Wow. And it switched over to a three-year cycle. Um, and the, the way it works at, at Activision, I mean, obviously I'm no longer there, but um, they'll have three different studios making a game each offset a year on a three-year cycle. So, you know, and- I was gonna say, I thought they released like <laughs> first year, right? Isn't there like yeah. Call of Duty 2021, right? And Call of Duty 2021. Yeah, that's how they do it. Okay. So that so one team will ship in 2018 and the next team is is 
mid progress on their 2019 release and then the 2020 comes out and as soon as one finishes they probably have nine months of support for the game they do kind of up till like the next guy releases and then they can kind of meanwhile they're doing pre-production on the next title and then they can really start in earnest on on the next one so that is kind of typical for a big triple a project they they can go as you know some some projects take five years. Some of the bigger Grand Theft Auto, you know, they can go longer. There's there's games that have taken up to a decade to make, which is just absurd. Um, but that's that's a definitely an outlier. Two three years is common. Um, one certain things a year cycle is is for for smaller indie games that might be reasonable. Some sports games that do annual releases are are on a one year cadence. Um, but two or three years this is typical. If it's a sequel, it's probably more like two or three years. If it's a brand new first time out IP launch, then you might spend more time four years. Um, we tend to contract. We're, you know, we're not there the whole. They don't need us the whole time, right? So we we get contracts that range from. We've been on one project for about a year and a half. Is our longest. Um, a lot of contracts are a couple of months of work. Um, they're, 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 there's such a squeeze right now on effects artists. There's there's three other companies like ours that you know I'm buddy. You know I know we all know each other. <laughs> <laughs> we're all buddies, um, and we're all just we're booked out for all of 2021 already, which is why we're hiring. Wow. Um, that's good news. <laughs> yeah. How many um, projects do you run at a given time? Like how many things are you juggling right now? Yeah, we, we bounce between two, two to five is typical. Um, I think we've been up to six at one point. Um, but that's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. Three, four is kind of a sweet spot. Um, I, I personally supervise all the work that's going on by all the guys on all the projects. So that's part of why I don't want to grow much bigger is I want to kind of keep it so I, I'm still able to do that. If if we grew a lot more, it would be hard, <laughs> harder. It's already hard. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, it's your brand, right? You're the Call of Duty guy. So <laughs> yeah, um, you want to you need to maintain that quality level. Yeah, um, for sure. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, so you've pretty much bootstrapped, not taken outside any money. Any outside money to do this? Any any thoughts, plus or minus, for other people that are pursuing this, and whether or not you know, do you, is there times that you wish you took some outside money? Would have changed anything? Um, you know, yeah, we've taken zero capital, um, and I love it that way. Uh, you know, I I think sort of, you know, th this is just sort of a philosophical thing. I, I think you know. Capitalism, the word capitalism itself and, and investment is, you know, you you get capital and to grow and, and most companies are on that trajectory. We, we don't have aspirations to to grow and we don't have shareholders who we, whose value we need to increase year over year. So um, we have the luxury of doing that. And um, yeah, it's nice to be debt free and <laughs> we're all just cat, you know, because we're just a services company, people, you know, pay us and we charge, more, you know, some amount more than it takes us to do the work. We, we've been cash positive the entire time. Um, it, it, there, there's a little bit of a squeeze for us during the holidays when we have guys, you know, we basically have 
thin billing months in in December and January, and but we still have to do payroll and everything. Um, so yeah, we so, yeah we just make sure you know to have a have a, a financial plan that that we are you know sort of growing the war chest so we can get through thin months and and if there's a drought we haven't had a drought yet we're constantly turning down work <laughs> so that's yeah. good but I you know it's I I recommend it I, I just just you know, company aside just personally you know. Working on Call of Duty had its, you know, financial, you know, upsides. Uh, one of which I was able to become, you know, zeroed out in debt. Right, my house is paid off, cars were paid, everything, and just the weight that is off your shoulders when that is it <laughs> has happened is pretty wonderful. And if if one has the means to do that, like it is, it's good. So. I've just kind of extended that philosophy to the company too. I, I want us to be debt free. We 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 just you know we buy software outright where we can instead of subscriptions, and we just try to keep a, a minimal burn rate. Um, but yeah, have, having no debt is pretty sweet. <laughs> have you ever considered uh, uh, taking on a project for you know obviously some payment, but also some equity? You know, would there be value in that for you to maybe have a piece of the game if one of if the game takes off or um yeah there was one opportunity that came up like that and it it went a little south <laughs> i was we were considering it and yeah. um yeah it, th that doesn't come up much so so you know generally we work for hire company right we, we just we have a day rate it's negotiable a bit if, if they can afford our normal rate then we do that and if not we try to work with them um, and, and that's, that, that's basically how it works. And, and uh, although we have considered if we have downtime and guys that are available building our own game. So we do have, um, you know, sort of a, a product that we'd be coming to market with. And, and uh, the thing that's kind of nice about that, which, you know, Call of Duty, they, they didn't call them royalties. They were you know discretionary bonuses for for legal reasons they called them that <laughs> right. and, and if you leave the company that they're you know you don't get it anymore um but it's nice if you if you're part of something that's a hit to be able to you know the whole staff to be able to get rewarded for it is pretty great so you know i think about that yeah if if we but we're we're so busy all the time <laughs> we don't have a lot of downtime but i have in my head you know maybe 5 years out a picture of of growing this into sort of two companies one that's just doing what it is we do now and then if we build enough war chest to be able to hire a, just a small team to run at you know making independent games for yeah. ourselves that would be cool skunk works lab yeah <laughs> Um, so what's, what's, what is your biggest challenge been? Um, biggest challenge. Uh, let's see, you know, a, a couple of things. Hi, hiring is, is tricky. Like, like I said, it's, it's such a, an in-demand field and, and, and good guys that, and gals that are free are, are unicorns. Um, so that's tricky. It, it isn't, it, you, you can't just, you know, it's a problem you can't throw money at. <laughs> like it's, you know, um, so yeah, when we get work and, and we don't, you know, you know, I hate, we've been doing it a lot lately, but turning down work is like, oh man, 
that's a, that's a really cool project I love to do, but we're just, you know, we're booked for a year, so we can't take anything right now. Yeah. So it'd be cool to be able to snap our fingers and have, you know, more, more effects artists, but you know, it just doesn't work like that. Uh, that's been a problem. Um, I'd say, you know, for myself, just sort of like, you know, focus and time management and attention. Like I, like I, I, that's something I've been working on is being better at like having a, a to-do list. And, you know, one, one thing that we have is telepresence. So I've got a monitor right here, like Brady Bunch with nine people up on it and we're all bantering all day and asking questions and it's good to, to keep information flowing and, and keep us socialized in a remote, you know, world, you know, but it, <laughs> there's, it, it comes with distraction too. There's chatter and, and stuff. So, you know, turning it, you know, quarantining time where I have it off and I'm like, okay, I need to burn things through my to-do list. And, you know, I, I always have sort of the emotional pull of like, oh man, I got to, there's that one thing I got to get done and that's been waiting. And, you know, I, I, I always feel a little overwhelmed, but, you know, I guess any, <laughs> that's true of any, you know, person running a startup. Yeah, I assume. Being a CEO, an <laughs> CEO that's also... Uh, kind of in the weeds with the team, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I am. I'm trying to not book myself anymore on on assignments, um, but I, I have ones that I did before, and I'm still sort of maintaining it and doing a little bit of work. And and you know, one one philosophy that we've got is um, we 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 try to you know from Activision and all the crunch and, you know, there's stories about bad employee treatment and I'm not saying Activision, just in general, in the games industry, you know, there's the EA lawsuits and there's been, there's been stories of poor working conditions, let's say. So we're, we are doing our damnedest to, to, to do better, to, to have great working conditions. So, you know, we are, we are proudly a no crunch company. We, we claim we, put it out we state it publicly it's on our website um that is extremely rare in the games industry um and you know generous vacation time and all that i forgot where i was going with that <laughs> what was the question <laughs> Uh, it was just about challenges and you know about oh, yeah. balancing the CEO versus the creative side of because you're you're both in your business. You're right, the right. CEO executive closing the deals, but you're also quality. If if not doing the creative work, you're at least quality control in the creative work. So yeah, you know, yeah, you have two different brains, right? That's the both sides yeah. of your brain, definitely. That reminds me. That's sort of the point I was getting at. Was you know. Part part of the way we we are able to hold the line and not have any crunch is by having someone that's available to help when if someone's behind or needs it, it's like you don't you don't throw that person's life under the bus you throw yeah. my life <laughs> I I will get in and help people if they're behind and it's tended lately that that doesn't happen much when you have a good review you know when you ha when you have clear schedules and tasking and 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 regular re daily reviews it it's a lot it, you know it's better to keep people on track and on time in your eight hour day <laughs> than have everything be late and everyone's stressed and everyone's piling on time like that's not good there's there's a better way to do it so that's what we're aiming for too and and 
so so part of our process uh, that I'm I'm happy with and and our clients are all happy with that's unique I think is the way we do updates and reviews. So um, our, our process is each one of the artists at the end of every day they're 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 in Unreal Engine or Unity whatever working on an explosion or a lightning bolt or a spell whatever it is. And there's a software called OBS, Open Broadcasting, and it'll just record your screen. So we have them put on a headset mic and just hit record and just talk for three minutes, five minutes, whatever, about what, and then and just sh show your work every day. And we're all in, a, in different Slack channels with various clients, and they just po post the videos up there. Um, so we explain, and they can they can focus, you know, feedback on. Okay, I'm working on the timing of this thing. I'm trying to make it like snappy and fast and feel like, you know, punchy and damage. The other person's working on, working on color and lighting. How's, how, how are these, you know, is the saturation? Okay. Whatever. And then in the morning, I don't like, uh, you know, it's a lot to do every day, but I try to do it three times a week ish. I'll just go in and download them all and watch the videos. And then I will play them back muted and record over it. And talk about okay, well, the, the, I like this the timing you have, but what if there's like a little lingering bit like afterwards? Um, so we do that for everything everyone's working on every day. We upload them, and the, those are those are uh, client facing, so they can see if, if they care to look at all of them, they can see what everybody's doing every day. So and I love that it just gives them confidence that like they don't need to worry about us. Things are advancing. They're getting good feedback, and and I post my feedback to them so that they can see what I'm telling them to correct, and it's pretty great. And uh, yeah, that's wow. worked really well. That's a lot, though. That's a lot every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. It is. But it, it it's the form. The it's pretty easy for them because they're just you know you know if we're if our workday is done at six o'clock, just come you know five fifty. They're like, all right, bye. I'm gonna go record now. So they log off the the. We use Facebook portal for teleconferencing. Oh, interesting. And then you just log, you know, just hit record, talk, upload. It's just the, the end of their workday. Um, it's a little trickier for me. I try to get through them all by lunch because yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, nine or so people to do it for. But And, yeah, I'll watch it once, just record notes in Notepad, and then mute them, play it again, record myself, and just walk through the notes that I've got. That's great. That's, yeah. that's so interesting. And Facebook portal, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys, you guys are familiar with that? You've seen the ads no. around Christmas Well, I mean, time. I know what it is. I've seen the ads, but you know, I'm kind of afraid to let Facebook into my house. <laughs> yeah. We, if, if anyone has that concern, we, we've got um, some company Facebook accounts they can use, but we all just use our own personal one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. The things that, that I like about it is it's an ultra wide lens. It sees your whole room, but in software, it, 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 you know, it focuses on whatever's moving. So, you know, the human, um, and it'll track if I'm walking around the room and talking and gesturing, it'll, it'll like, it's like, I got a cameraman there. It follows me around, but yeah, it's, it's just great to just, you know, just keep us laughing together and, and keeping the culture yeah, it's, fun. It's, it's you're, it's like you're still together visually, whereas like Slack is awesome, but it's just Slack, right? It's like text messaging, right? It's yeah, yeah. And and that idea got started in uh, at Infinity Ward. We had uh, one one team member uh, that worked for me. He wanted to go back 
to Australia, which is where he was from, and and they were going to have a kid, so they wanted to raise him in Australia, Tasmania. And you know, we were just worried that like game dev when you're in an office together is so collaborative and you're always walking around and talking to the person and what if we you know what about this idea how does this hook it up i can't find that file there's so much of that and i figured like if he's just typing to people he's going to get ignored and he's going to get lost in the shuffle so we set up robo boone his name was boone michael boone uh we set up robo boone we called it which was just it was kind of the precursor to this sort of thing which is it was a dedicated skype box it was that was we were skype tech at the time and you can set it up to be auto answered so he could just call into the office that's one problem we had at first was he'd call in and like is anybody standing there at that moment to click the button so he wouldn't it wouldn't work so we found out that you could set up to auto answer so you could just dial in when he's in in the morning and like hey everybody and people would walk in to talk to boone and it was just so much, just communication flowed so much better that way. It was great. <laughs> we looked into getting a mobile one where he could control it, like, yeah. <laughs> and roll around the office. They make things like that. that yeah, we they make about that. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't end up doing that, but I, I found it super effective to just to have, just to basically simulate an office presence. Um, and we just, I just kept that up. And now we have the whole entire team doing it. It's great. So what other um, tools or tips do you have for connecting remote remote creative teams like this? What other solutions do you use to to make everything work well for you? Sure. Um, Slack, we almost every project we're on uses Slack these days. It's, it's, it's great. Like we, we questions are asked there. You can add people, direct message people. It's all a thread. I use it for, for doing invoicing. When I when I'm trying to write up like okay what did what did everybody work on this month I don't know it's in some doc somewhere but I just scroll up in our chat history I just go to the you know first day of the month and then just look at the title of each of the videos there it is that's that's what we worked on because <laughs> we just po- we posted it um, and you could do little breakout threads in it Slack is phenomenal um, yeah let me look at one of my other uh, Perforce for source control. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but uh, we have our own internal Perforce server as well. That's on an SSL, a secure connection. So the, the the guys at work, basically, it's just a repository of files. Most games use Perforce or SVN or you know, yeah. there's a few others, but um, just for like that's the master. Ver- build of the game, the software that you're making, people can check files out and check it in and change it, and it, it keeps everyone synced. Um, so we use that for sure. Uh, a couple other sort of online tools, utilities we use um, the Atlassian suite. So we use Confluence and Jira. Are yeah. I I love it. I mean, Wiki. It, it Confluence is the purpose that Wiki used to do. You can embed videos and it's super user-friendly. We have all of our, I am obsessive about documentation. Everything's, <laughs> everything's in there. Uh, Jira for tracking time is pretty common with our clients. Um, one, one uh, Monday.com we started using. I really like it a lot. Uh, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't have any projects that are on it now, depending on the scope, but I found one of the problems, difficulties with Jira is, is like, like I wish 
Jira had Monday built into it. Like Jira, had, it's got all your tasks. They're assigned to people. It's a little complicated to to do search filters to find like, you know, like if if I want to just, you know, w- what are all the things to the assigned to the guys that work for me? You know, right. you, can set up, you can set up dashboards for that. But one question that I, I have not seen a good way is like, well, who's overbooked right now? And Monday is great at that. We just we just put in like, okay, here's all the thing. And it's kind of stupid that we're like, it's redundant, right? It's all entered in Jira, but now I'm all entering it all again in Monday. I, I, and I think they are, I maybe they do have a thing now that... that yeah, I'd look exactly. There's probably a way to push Jira tasks to, to Monday through Zapier. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't have that at this point. Um, but yeah, to just see like, okay, here, you know, Here's yeah, like, your schedule from these days to these days. And, and the problem that it solves is like, okay, so we're, we're on a month long sprint and you've got five tasks and we've added up the days, but I think in our day to day is like, okay, I've, I've been assigned five days in this. Oh, and I've gone long and you don't really see what the knock on effect is that, but if you see like a, a, an entire line of like, these are the things that are lined up and you, you can see that like, if you go late on this one thing, all, all this shit starts going over the line and like, oh no. And so it's great for them. And it's great for me to just like, when I'm working on a series of things to just keep scope in mind, like how, how does this all fit together? And, and we can, and we can just at a glance see like, oh no, this person's, that yeah. goes, well, that goes way over the line. Let's like, let's show, you know, let's find a way to, to balance that out. Uh, so Monday's great. I like that Monday's a lot. Monday's got a great user interface that shows the visual visualization on Monday is much better than any of the old Jira project management tools that I've ever used. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and Jira, there's like some, Jira can take like plugins or add-ons that I've looked for calendar one, calendar visualization, stuff like that, tasks over time. And not, I don't know, nothing yeah. really. They they had a, a, a thing internally in the works at one point, but it never <laughs> made it, I guess. I don't know what happened to it. All right, switching gears a bit. Okay. Uh, what I my d- view of entrepreneurs is that um, that really different people have different views of success. So, what does success look like for DJ and undertone effects? Yeah, that that's a good question. Um, you know, success for me means that the people that work for me are satisfied uh, with the work that they're doing, pleased with the results that they're getting and enjoying their lives. Awesome. Love that's, that. That's my short answer. <laughs> ah, I, I, I don't really care. I mean, look, we've done, uh, you know, I've got a house here and a house. We've done fine. My wife and I, we've call of duty is treated as well. So I, yeah, I'm not too concerned about growth that are financial, whatever. We we live happily and comfortably. So yeah, I want I want to see that the people that work for me feel valued and treated well and and happy. That that's that's what I care about. Very cool. Very cool. Um we usually have a lot of folks that are either very early stage entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs uh, that tune in to us. So what is a uh, 
some tips or, or, or tricks that you would like to share uh, with that audience on their own entrepreneurial journey? Sure. Like, I mean, the way I got started is I don't know how to replicate that. Right. Like I, I just, I built an, well, here's, here's some seeds that I planted that, that bore fruit way down the line. I didn't intend there was no plan for me to start this company. Right. It just kind of happened, but there were some things that I did years before that made it a hell of a lot easier. And that was, um, I, I am, I am fairly well known by all the people that, that do have my similar job title, effects artists and games. You know, there's a, there's a few thousand of us in the world and most of them, you know, there's a few names out there, Andreas Glad and Keith Garrett and Wyeth Johnson. And, and I'm probably one of those names. Right. Um, so how, how did that come to be? It doesn't, it doesn't happen by accident. Um, and, you know, part, part of the, the journey, you know, how, how did you get, how did I end up on Call of Duty for one? Well, <laughs> excuse me. There was, a, <laughs> there was, you know, work on the biggest thing in the world there. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, work hard, I'll do a great job so that everybody knows you. <laughs> right. You know, win a, win a couple of those awards too, but you know, th there were things that led to that, right. It was, I, I think a, a couple of, a couple of like philosophy of life things can, can open doors like that. You know, one, I was. Um, I think I was always open to like, I had arranged my life such that it was fine for me to move around and take whatever the best opportunity was. Some, you know, it's, it's sometimes one can get settled down and, and not have that opportunity. So, and, and both are, are perfectly reasonable ways to live your life, but one of those did <laughs> lead to, you know, to this, uh, ending up uh, working on a Call of Duty game. Um, two, I think, I think I, I had, you, you know, when you take a job and when you interview and, and you, there is a unique opportunity at those moments in time, um, that, that one ought to maximize. And there's ways you can do that. Um, I think um, early in your career, so so say I'm I'm speaking to you know for example a SCAD student who's just getting out of college who who wants to you know have a a glorious career <laughs> over time. Don't stay at the same place forever, right? Like I, I think you know when you graduate school and you start a job you you have set yourself on a salary trajectory of like you know you're going to get so much 3% raise over time <laughs> right it it is when you change jobs that you go bank you can you generally get 15 to 20% more every time you change jobs and do it several times early so instead of 3% forever <laughs> you just went you know 15, 15, 20 more, 15 to 20 more. And now you're pointed like up <laughs> instead of sideways. 
Um, so do that. It, 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 you, you will get, you will get title bumps. You'll get salary bumps and the, the types of projects and studios that you work on can have more prestige over time. And then that's, that's a way, you know, not everybody gets there. Right. But plenty of people do like a lot of, there's, there's a lot of big games out there and there's a lot of positions. And so if you play your cards, right, you're going to, you're going to head there. So, so that was part of my, you know, just pattern that, that led to six, you know, success in, in a way, I think. And then the second thing that I did was, um, I helped start a, the community. Like there, there are several resources for effects artists and games. There's, realtimevfx.com there's a realtime vfx facebook group which i started about 10 years ago there's a now a discord channel which all of us are all at, talking to like every effects artist in games is <laughs> in this discord channel asking each other like okay if i hook that note up to this thing and unreal like why isn't it doing this so we all we all talk together we know each other we all post jobs in these channels and i i I'm one of the people that created all of those. Right. I'm a co-founder on the website. I'm in the Discord group. So, you know, every single person, we're up to 3,000 or something now. I don't know the number, but every time someone enters that, that Facebook group, Real-Time VFX, they ask a questionnaire that it used to be me personally answering <laughs> them back. So they see my name, David Johnson, has welcomed you to <laughs> Real-Time VFX Facebook group. And, and years ago after, you know, Call of Duty was, was treating me nicely at uh, the big conference every year for video game developers, E3, I started hosting a party every year and it was informal, like 20, 30 people in the beginning for years. And I just paid for it out of pocket. You know, it was like four or 500 bucks or something for a bar tab for 20 or 30 people. So I did this every year for years and then it kind of like at a certain point it started to snowball people were like uh people wanted to sponsor it and people more people wanted to come and so we started renting out venues and getting thousands of dollars instead of yeah. so you know people know me from that and just you know doing talks in in for sigraph and you know being in the ves and like all this stuff all just be active be active and involved in more than just your job be active and involved in the community of people that do what you do. And, and yeah, that's part of why I'm, I'm my, my name is I mean, the most generic name in the world. David Johnson <laughs> <laughs> is pretty well known in this little circle that, <laughs> that is our, our discipline. So, you know, those things together, like one was sort of being smart about where I worked and when I stopped working there and when I moved on and, and how, how I selected the next job. Um, I'll, I'll give one tip too during an interview process. If you're if you're interviewing at multiple studios, um, interview at the one you want to land at the most last. And the reason for that is a couple things. One is you'll get a couple of offers ahead of it, so you're not going into your dream job interview nervous. They're like, "Oh, please give me the like." I'm so fucked if you don't give me this job. Excuse my French. Uh, you can be relaxed. You can be confident that like, 
you are free to turn this down if they, if it is not like if they give you some dumb offer <laughs> or whatever that's you know like you're like well these guys are telling me it gives you you can go into it with more confidence and and if you can if you can just kind of order them it, you know you can't always do it because flights and everything but order them from like I care the least to I care the most about and and generally. Every time you go interview somewhere and you meet people and you shake their hands and you look them in the eye and they tell them your story and they like you and they, and you like them, you're going to be, you're going to walk out of that being like, man, that was great. Look how, look at the cool stuff they're doing that they showed me. I want to work there. And then you go interview at another place a few days later. Oh, forget about that. These guys are really like every time you're going to want (laughs) to go to it. And every time ask for more money instead of remember that 3% trajectory, 15%, get a couple of those bumps in one interview cycle, interview somewhere and say, okay, well, the rate I'm expecting is, you know, X. And then be like, well, you know, I've already got an offer for this. So I'm looking for this. And then like, but even in, in one interview cycle, bump it up a couple of times. That's, that's pro move right there. (laughs) And then you end up, at your dream job, the company that you wanted to land at the most with the highest salary possible, that's, that's how you do it. Yeah. I, I feel like I've done really bad now. I feel, I feel <laughs> because the most recent jobs I've taken pay a lot less than my previous jobs. So. Oh, man. Well, and, and look at it and it's, it's, not, not, all... that. it's <laughs> not about that. Mine's about building communities. So yeah. And it's not all about, don't always pay money. <laughs> Yeah, it's not all about the the. It's not entirely about the dollar signs. There's more important things that I'll tell you. When I went to Infinity Ward, they were not the highest offer that I had. I had offers for I, I interviewed at nine places on that that job change. I had seven offers, and Infinity Ward was not the highest one. But I I and, and they were not a big studio at the time. The, the they had shipped Modern Warfare two, which was well received. It was not a blockbuster. It was not a big huge hit at at that moment in time, but of, of all nine places that I interviewed at, they were the only studio whose game I had played start to end. I had played call of duty two and thought it was great. So I just kind of knew that these guys knew how to make something good. I didn't care. I didn't know that it would be a blockbuster. Um, and, and I felt like the guy that interviewed me, his name's Robert Gaines. He's a phenomenal effects artist. Uh, just the kind of the stuff he talked about in the interview, I just knew that I would learn a lot from him. And I really did. I really learned a ton from this guy. So, so yeah, I was happy to take less money for things like that. Awesome. We have just a few minutes left. So I did want to throw it out there. Mark usually asks some pretty good questions. So Mark, do you have any questions? Yes, uh, excellent discussion, uh, David. Uh, sounds like you have a uh, uh, remarkable um, uh, experience. Um, my parents met at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and that's where I was born. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yes. Cool. Uh, my father also worked for IBM, and we lived in Hyde Park, New York, uh, uh, northern uh, oh, okay. uh, New York area. I have a few uh, questions, and these are more uh, technology-related. Sure. Um, 
Well, business as well. Um, given that gaming affects development is labor intensive, what opportunities exist to automate product creation using, let's say, AI, machine learning, some of these other technologies? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and one that is sort of on the tip of people's tongues these days. Um, there, there's a few f flavors of that. So, so, you know, w before AI and neural networks, machine learning, we're, we're looking at more sort of traditional methods of, of, of efficiency gains. Now one is just, you know, shared assets. So, um, you know, if we make an explosion once, and then we hire, get hired to do it again. Well, we've already got these things that we made. So can we just kind of reuse assets? Can we build out libraries? One thing that's a little tricky business-wise doing that is when you get hired to make content, you know, bespoke for a company, you know, the licensing of it is such that like you make it for them and they own it, right? So if we have our own internal library and we're re reusing it and I, I don't know, there's some, there's a little legal shenanigans uh, there, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's a great question. So I, I, I have my eye on it and, and I just did another interview where I, I was asked about the future of effects. And, and that was one of the things that I brought up is um, so just to get, to get a little technical NVIDIA has got, uh, some tech now with their 3090 cards, uh, I forget the acronym, DLSS or something like that, that, that is doing machine learning upsampling. So, so they're doing ray traced rendering now, but not your full screen. They'll, they'll render it at a smaller resolution and use machine learning to like scale it up and fill in the extra pixels to make it mm -hmm. seem full res. And it is faster. It's che it's cheaper at, at runtime on the computer to do that than just rendering it the whole time. So and so is there? There's a little bit of a quality trade-off, but you know you can render more stuff because you're not rendering it full size. And so that that's that's part of it. But that's not really a, a content creation problem. That's just sort of a runtime rendering thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I like for example, you know, explosions. There's so there's a program that's really fascinating called um, Runway ML. That's mm -hmm. kind of a machine learning aggregation environment where people who are developing visual machine learning tools mm -hmm. are are plugging them into this like it's kind of like an ecosystem or a platform or something. I don't know the best way to describe it, but you can take video and run it through this one and then it goes up to the cloud and you get it back with foreground background separation maths pulled mm -hmm. off of it. Something you now did not have to do manually. Um, and yeah, so, so like for our job specifically, like, you know, what if you didn't need to render a whole effect, but using kind of those, those same concepts, those, those ideas where, what if you could just simulate like, okay, I want the explosion to be, you know, this shape and move in this fast. I could do it kind of in a low res way where we're not really authoring the whole explosion anymore. We're letting machine learning like hand you the explosion from like a, a, a simplified input. Like mm -hmm. that is really fascinating to me. I'm, I, I don't mm -hmm. know if that is where it's yeah. going to lead, but that mm -hmm. is really super interesting. And yeah, people are talking about it and there's a little research going on behind it. Yes. You're, uh, it seems that you're walking the line between uh, true artistic creation, making it unique and individual, 
versus uh, something that's um, plagiarized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we use libraries of filmed explosion footage mm-hmm. from time to time that we license. And we're actually partnering with a company that's to help them bring those to video games mm-hmm. um, so that other effects artists can use them. That's a whole other story. <laughs> Uh, I have a question uh, regarding uh, Call of Duty, your experience there. Um, from uh, Wikipedia entry, it says that the first in the series was released in 2003 and the latest release in 2020. Uh, it says it is also the most successful video game franchise created in the United States and the third highest grossing video game franchise of all time. Uh, that's quite impressive. As you're developing gaming software, you are racing against time as the underlying platforms, such as PlayStation, Wii, Xbox, etc., are developing, as well as the software technologies you're utilizing evolve. What advice do you have in pacing development and software releases? Um, that's a good question. Um... Yeah, there's 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 a, a couple ways to look at it. That um, we call it a uh, what, what's the term that we use? Um, a, a generation jump year is is a thing. Where uh, remember we talked about there's you know for Call of Duty anyway there's three studios on a three year cycle, and and so this is a, a, a generation leap year. So we just got the PS5 and the Xbox One X, neither of which I have yet, and I'm frustrated by that. <laughs> um, but uh, it is on those years you have to, you are right on the cutting edge of how you, well, one you have to ship for both platforms. Mm-hmm. You have to ship for the old one and the new one, and it is really painful because you don't get dev kits until way too late. It, you're it, you're authoring against a moving target you're like guessing at like how powerful the thing is going to be. And so you're putting like, we need to look cooler. So we're going to put more stuff in there. Like, mm-hmm. is that too much? You're like, ah, I don't know who knows. And, but you, you need those same assets to be authored in a dense fashion and in a less dense fashion for the other platform. So like you've mm-hmm. got to do them twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I, I, I find it, it's helpful to build into your process like switches so that like you can author the effect once really and you can turn you can tell an emitter is it going to be on both platforms the default or just the next generation one or the old generation one so Mm -hmm. it's like most you know the the picture of the fireball the smoke that comes out maybe that's the same on both but the sparks that are kind of come and the little like trails Mm -hmm. well we want the next gen ones to be you know, a really cool, really dense, tons of particles. And the, the old generation's going to have like, you know, a turned down version of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's ways to manage that. And, and every eight or so years when we get a console generation jump, that that happens. But then, uh, you know, on the, on the tool side too, like, you know, especially for effects, nobody knows how to do all the stuff there's there's houdini and mm-hmm. effects and krakatoa and houdini is its own like there's so much to learn in that in that software um it just it takes a ton of effort to to keep up with it but really you know it, it, you start with the vision like okay we've got new hardware coming out we've got new tools coming out what can we do with this that's m- 
uh, like I always the, the yeah. phrase I use, what's more awesome than has ever been seen before? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's the goal, right? So yes. you know, usually we start there, like do like okay, well we we were always too constrained to pull off you know fluids that are like drooling on, falling and flipping <laughs> around and interact with the ground, and then it gets on your pant, like all this you know whatever. <laughs> couldn't do that before let's do that now like mm-hmm. and then and then you kind of like work out how it, it is that can fit in the next mm-hmm. gen and the previous gen and- mm-hmm.